Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. I just barely touched on the subject of wisdom. You know, I think you heard me tell you, I know you did, the definition of wisdom is knowing how to use knowledge correctly. I want to use the example of our government, the Democrats and the Republicans. These guys are some of the, and ladies, are some of the most brilliant minds in our country. Then why, why are they fighting all the time? Why? The reason predominantly is They've got a lot of knowledge, but they don't have much wisdom. They don't want to give, and I, I'm saying they, either side, they don't, they, don't, they don't want to give. They want all the power for their party or themselves. It doesn't, you know, it, it's apparent to me that when you have an attitude like that, you don't really care about the people that you serve. You would think that their predominant concern would be the people of the United States. But I've got to be honest with you, I don't, I don't see them caring that much. You know, they, they'll say, well, we'll give you, we're going to give you $1,400 for every woman and man, and, and that's because we care about you. Well, not really. It's because they want the power that comes with popularity. You need to pray for your government. I'm not taking a side. I'm just telling you, you need to pray. And then, in, in let's just say religion today across the world, people have different ideas about whether their faith is the right one. Most of them think their faith is the right one. How many of you know that Christianity is the only faith where God gave his most important possession, his son? No other faith or religion did that or does that. We have a... Last night, my son and I were watching a a documentary and... uh, had to do with what I'm talking to you about now. And they had a Muslim lady on there, and she was in tears. I was kind of impressed, really. She was in tears because she said the Quran teaches us that the worst thing we can do is kill people. And I see somebody smiling because you know that there's plenty of killing going on uh, among the, uh, the Muslim people. 
And they don't just kill people, they butcher them. They cut their, they, they showed a little boy, 13 years old, somebody gave him a knife and he beheaded a man uh, on his, who was on his knees. He beheaded a man, 13 year old. Where are we? Now, I want you to remember something. Jesus wants you to walk in wisdom. If you can do that, if we could all do that, the whole world would change. Amen? Where do you get wisdom? You know, you've all, uh, I won't repeat that story. I know I'm repeating too many stories again. Okay, let's look at chapter 2, verse 1 in Proverbs. My son, if you will receive my words. Now, in our search for wisdom, number one, you've got to receive his words. Now, don't raise your hand, but a lot of you in here are not even reading his word. Come on, be honest. And the only word you're getting is what you're getting right now. And I'm glad you're getting it. I'm glad that you're here. Makes me happy. But listen, you need to develop a discipline so that you're reading the word yourself every day and taking time to contemplate on it and meditate on it. Meditate's not a bad word, it's a good word. Meditate means you, you read a, a two or three verses and then you stop and you pray and you ask the Lord to reveal to you what those uh, lines are saying. Amen? Now, it doesn't have to be long every day. You don't have to say, okay, I'm going to read the word an hour a day. I don't think any of you would do that. But just make a deal with God. I don't like the word deal. Just say, God, I'm going to try to read your word every day at least five minutes. How many of you could afford five minutes? Now, I, I always suggest that you go into uh, a room where you can be alone, the bathroom, get in a closet, wherever, where you can be totally alone and not, not bothered and start reading. But here's one of the missing ingredients. You, you read, but then you don't listen. So when you start reading the Word, every once in a while just stop. Don't say anything. Don't worship. Don't sing. Stop. Close your eyes. Open your ears. Your ears are like radio transmitters. Out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. So what happens is when the word, when it's spoken like right now, I'm speaking it to you and it's going through both of your transmitters and it's funneling right down into your heart. And listen to this. Uh, listen to this. When you get a heart that is full, it will transfer to your mouth and your mouth will begin to speak what God has put in your heart. Now, a lot of you think you are doing that, but a lot of you have this problem of you've put other things in your heart that you didn't get from the Word. Uh-oh. Amen? You got it from somewhere else. Jesus was always gentle. Jesus was always filled with love. Jesus was always filled with forgiveness and kindness and goodness. Now, let's go a little further. 
Let's just start over there. My son, if you will receive my words, number one, and hide my commandments with thee. I often wondered what that word hide means. Listen, don't just read the word. Make sure you're understanding what you're reading. Get it deep down inside of you and latch hold of it. I've done that for years. There are certain scriptures that I, I memorized because they had great meaning for me. Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. When you get a scripture like that going through your ears and down funneling into your heart, your mouth, I mean, your heart will very quickly begin to overflow with understanding not just knowledge, but understanding of that knowledge produces wisdom. And hopefully that wisdom will in, then in turn come out of your mouth. And you will be a blessing to whoever you come in contact with. And you know what's amazing about it? When you have that right heart, how many of you have had this experience when you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden you feel a real love for them? You don't even know where it came from. And suddenly that love starts producing words for them that you didn't even know you had. How many of you have had that experience? It's powerful. It is so powerful. So, hide my commandments. And then he says, verse 2, so that you will incline your ear unto wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yea, if you Cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding. Did you hear that? Listen to me. Cry after knowledge. That is in the category of desire. You know, I, there have been times I've been so frustrated because I've, I read the Word and yet I don't feel like... I'm, I had this great desire to want the mind of God. I had, I had this tremendous desire to walk like he walked, to talk like he talked, to, 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 to minister to people the way he did, not the way my flesh wants to. My flesh sometimes wants to kick some of you in your behind. But then I begin to realize that I need a couple of kicks in my behind too. <laughs> Come on. We're all pretty much the same. And lift up your voice for understanding. I've been in reading the Bible at times and I couldn't, I couldn't understand a certain scripture and I'd get frustrated and I would cry out to God, God, please, I don't understand this. It makes no sense because I was reading it like my dad taught me in the flesh. You cannot walk with God in the flesh. You cannot walk with God unless you walk in the Spirit with him and it's not what you think that counts it's what he thinks and the only way to get what he thinks into your mouth to bless others is to start that process through your ears fill up your heart out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks somebody's going to get saved somebody's going to get healed somebody is going to be raised from the dead and i got an email from somebody it's been a little while back but uh, there's been three people raising the dead, the dead in my ministry. One of them 
was in uh, Israel. We had just done a, a, a rehearsal. I was in the choir. We had a 100-piece orchestra. These people were great. And they had all come together in Israel for the Feast of Tabernacles. And we had a rehearsal, and it was grueling. So we went back to our hotel, hostel, whatever you call it. And several of us had gotten several rooms, and we were having coffee together. And suddenly we heard this tremendous BAM right outside our door. I was the first one out there. There was a lady named Pauline in the choir, in the orchestra that played the violin. She was on the floor above us, and she was coming down to be with us. And the floor there was made out of uh, granite. And you go down a flight and you come to a landing and you turn and you go down a flight and you're on the next floor down. Well, she got to the landing all right, but she tripped and she fell all the, she didn't even touch a step, all the way down and she landed on her head on that granite floor. Bam! And so I got out there. There she was laying there. I rushed over to her and I put my hand under her head to lift it up. Her, I pulled my hand out and it, it was filled with blood and brain tissue. I kid you not. Her eyes were open, but they were fixed and dilated. She wasn't breathing. I was going to give her artificial resuscitation. I'm good at it. I've been trained. But before I did that, I, and by that time, now the whole choir, orchestra, everybody came down. They were they crammed full of uh, the landing we were on, the stairs. They were just everywhere. And I looked up at them. I said, I said, she's not breathing. You got to pray. And boy, they started praying. And so I did what I've done the other two times. I just took my hand and I slapped it right there on her head. And I said, I rebuke you, spirit of death. Come out of her. And suddenly she went, <gasps> And her eyes opened and she fluttered her eyes like that. And then she smiled at me. She came back to life. I got an email from a lady that was there when that happened. She said, I'll always be blessed by the memory of what God did, not what John did, but what God did that day out on the staircase. The ambulance came, they, they took her to the hospital. She had to stay in Israel for six weeks. She had brain surgery, skull surgery, but she was fine. About seven, eight weeks after it happened, I got a letter from her. She said, I just had to call you and thank you, or write you and thank you for what you did to, for me. And so I, I had to write her back and say, you don't understand, I didn't do it, God did it. I've learned my lesson about stealing the glory from God. The glory belongs to Him. But my point is, He decided to use me, and if you are open and willing, He will use you. Why do you think He put His Spirit inside of you? Jesus said, it's a good thing that I go. It's a good thing that I leave you and go. If I leave you, I will send the Spirit. 
And he will use you. He will lead you and guide you. And all the things I have done, listen to this. He said, all of the things I have done, you will do. And greater things than these will you do. The largest crowd that Jesus ever spoke in front of was about 5,000 people. Many years ago, Billy Graham was in South Korea. He had a four-night meeting there, and they met out in a field, a farmer's field. The last, now get this, the last night of that revival, there was a million people in that field, a million. When he gave the altar call, 60,000 people, 60,000 people ran to the front. They were tripping over each other. Why were they running to the front? To get saved. To give their hearts to Jesus. To repent. To ask for forgiveness. To fess up with all the things they'd done that they knew God would not be pleased with. They were weeping and crying and moaning. They were on their knees. Some of them were on their face. Lord, save me. I I repent. Jesus, may may what you did on the cross apply to me. 60,000. More than double the total uh, number of people that live in our town. More than double. Think about it. Jesus said, the things I have done, you shall do in greater because I go to the Father. Wow. Verse number four. Now we're, we're talking about uh, wisdom. He says, if you will seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, treasures, then shall you understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, in these two scriptures, he's talking about your desire in seeking him. Some of you don't have any desire in seeking him. You just think it's automatic and it'll happen. And you know, I, I'm going to repeat one story I made up because I can't think of another one that, that will exemplify it best. But I, I remember I told you, let's say I was out in the desert in my beloved Jeep and uh, I was just driving around on a dirt road and I looked over and I saw something twinkle on the, on the side of a sand dune. It, it curious, got me curious, so I drive over there and I pull some sand away and lo and behold, it's a big chest, a box. And there's a lock on it, but the lock's broken. So I pulled the hatch and opened the box lid, and lo and behold, it was full of gold and diamonds and emeralds and all those wonderful things. But it was so heavy, I couldn't get it in my Jeep. So I covered up the box, rushed back to town, and I came to your house. I said, hey, I found this gold and, and all these beautiful gems. And if, out in the desert, it's only 15 minutes from here. If you'll go with me, I'll give you half. But you've got to help me load it in the Jeep. And you say to me, looking very seriously, well, I'd like to, you know, but Dallas is fixing to play. They're coming on here in about 10 minutes. And uh, can you get somebody else? Now, would you say that to me? even though Dallas is your favorite team, would you really say that to me? That's the desire 
that God wants you to have when you're seeking after Him. I've been in positions where I was so hungry for God, I was weeping. I just, I said, Lord, if you don't show me yourself today, I don't know if I can go on. Now, where are you with Him? Now, it's bigger than just having a buddy kind of relationship with God. What you want from God is for Him to reveal Himself to you so thoroughly that you find yourself with something you never had, a ministry. Every one of you in here has been called. You have a calling on your life. Look at your neighbor and say, I have a calling. Now look at him again and say, you have a calling. And I'm going to tell you, you've got to hear this. If you don't find what God has called you to do, you will never be happy in your life. And I'm going to add to that. If you don't find what God has called you to do and get in the middle of it and cooperate with it, you'll never be happy. What has God called you to do? Some of you in here, you're not called to be preachers. You might be called to, to uh, minister to children. I'm not, I'm not too good with children, so God raised me up a partner who is. She's also powerful with ladies. We've got one of the best uh, ladies ministry in the city right here. We do. Thanks to her. And Well, let's just go a little further. Verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So where does wisdom come from? It comes from God. You can't get it anywhere else. And i got to tell you something. Knowledge is a carnal thing that you can get reading out of a book, watching a TV show, uh, listening to somebody speak. But wisdom is a spiritual thing where God takes the knowledge that you have accumulated and he turns it supernaturally into something that's bigger than knowledge. It gives you the ability to know how to take that knowledge and use it correctly so that you can bring healing, love, mercy, and salvation to whoever you're talking to. Where do you think that comes from? You don't just pick it up one day. You've got to develop a close relationship with God that is so close that you can be in a room full of a hundred people and they're all yak, yak, yak and talking and you can be there with your mouth closed, your eyes open, and God's speaking to you. And you look around the room and God's showing you, uh, John, after the service, I want you to go pray for Pam because she needs prayer. Or whoever. Will you obey him? Will you obey him? Verse 7, He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keeps the paths of judgment and he preserves the way of his saints. Then, he says, shall you understand righteousness and judgment and equity Yea, every good path, when wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. To, listen, 
what good is this word if you don't understand it? You know, it's particularly difficult in the King James. And if you struggle with the King James, and I'm being honest with you, I think it's the most accurate version out there, and you don't have to agree with me. Some people like the New American Standard or whatever. But if you're struggling with the King James, get you a Bible that you can read, the Living Bible, Good News for Modern Man. There's one called The Message. Now, I don't advise you to study out of those Bibles because those Bibles are paraphrases. That means whoever wrote them took the translation and they took a lot of freedom with it, added lots of words, turned it into more of a novel than a, than a documentary book. And I don't have a problem with that, but when you're trying to study from the word, you need an accurate translation. But some people have a real problem with the these and the thous and the thines and, and those kinds of things. But get you a Bible that you can understand. My first Bible, and I always consider myself pretty smart, but my first Bible was one called Good News for Modern Man. It was a paperback. I tore that thing. I read that thing from cover to cover over a hundred times. I mark, if you know anything about me, when I'm reading, I mark everything up. I underline every word. I put stars in the, in the margins. I, I put notes. I, that poor old Bible was just hanging by a thread. And I'd tape it up. And, but the day came when God came to me and says, John, I'm weaning you today. I said, well, Lord, what do you mean? I'm taking you out of the good news and I'm putting you in the King James. Now, it's not that I didn't understand King James English. I did. I was an English teacher, English major. But I, I said, Lord, it's not as fun to read <laughs> as good news for modern man. He said, yes, but it's more accurate and that's where I need you to be and that's where I've been for 45 years. So, uh, let's go a little bit further. Verse 10. When wisdom enters into your heart and knowledge is pleasant unto your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you, and to deliver you from the way of the evil men, from the man of the evil man, from the man that speaks froward things. How many of you know that when you became a Christian, you also became a target. There is a devil, his name is Satan, and he hates you. He hates you for one reason. You say, well, I don't even know him. How could he hate Well, he knows you, and he knows that you've made a decision for God, and that's why he hates you. Anybody that loves God, he hates. That's the level of his hatred. It is so deep that anybody that says a pleasant word about the Lord God, he hates them. And not only that, he has started to devise a plan whereby he can take your life, kill your children, destroy your business, your home, your dog, everything that you own and possess. And he's got plenty of help to do it. Whenever he was thrown out of heaven, one-third of all the angels were thrown out with him. How many was that? Nobody knows. But it was probably tens of millions. They turned in from angels into demons. They were at his beck and call. Whatever he told them to do, they did it, and they still do it. Oh, but the good news is, for modern man, you have absolute authority over him. Absolute! 
I, I didn't under, I told you, I didn't understand that until I went to Ireland the second time. And I, I know I've told the story to you, but just forgive me. Went to a woman's home where I had a big Bible study. I was the speaker. And this woman was a Catholic, spirit-filled. 95% of Ireland is Catholic. But there was a charismatic revival going on there that would blow your mind. When the meeting was over, the, the lady that owned the house, she was about this tall, 75, 80 years old. She came over and grabbed my hand and drug me in the kitchen and locked the door. I thought, I'm in trouble. She said, I don't know you, but I got to tell you, when you came in my house tonight, you came in the front door. I saw a vision, and I'm still shaking. She said, I saw thousands of demons in my house. When you walked in, they got up and ran out the door and down the street screaming for their lives. Now, part of me wanted to just pat me on the back and say, yes, John, I, I knew you were powerful all along. It didn't have anything to do with me. It was the power of God Almighty. Out in the, while the meeting was still going on, they had her curtains open, and, and out right in front of her door, a car pulled in, and a uh, black man and uh, his son and got out of the car. They came into the meeting. I had seen him before. The year before when I was in Ireland, he and his wife had come, uh, and during, during the time of prayer, uh, they came up for prayer, and I said, uh, you have any children? She said, yeah, we have a son. And uh, I said, do you want any more? And this woman went nuts. Yeah, yeah. And she started screaming and jumping over tables and chairs. I kid you not, running around the room. She came back over to me right in my face and said, why would you ask me that? Why, why? Now, her husband was working in the oil field out in the sea, out in the ocean. She said, we want another child, but we've been told we can't have one. And I put my hand on her, and it was the Spirit of God. I said, lady, you're going to have another child within a year. Ah! She went crazy, running around the room, jumping over table. Now, I was in Ireland exactly one year to the day that I gave her that word. That was a word of knowledge. Knowing... Telling something somebody to someone that you couldn't have possibly known. And when the man got out of the car with his son, they came to the door when the meeting was over. I went over and greeted him and said, it's good to see you again, but where's your wife? He said, she's in the hospital. She had a baby yesterday morning, a little girl. I was kind of glad she wasn't there because she would have screamed and run up and run up down the stairs, jumped over the top. I don't know what she would have done. What I'm trying to get across to you is ministry is serious, and God has to use you. He needs to use you in order to accomplish it. Another meeting I was in, I had a prayer line. There was a lady, uh, quite elderly. She, well, I say elderly. I, I got to be careful because I'm in my 70s now. But she, she. Uh, she came toward me, and I stopped her. I'd never seen her in my life. And I don't know why, but I just looked at her and said, do you smoke? And she broke down right in front of me, fell on her knees, was weeping. I picked her back up. She said, 
I've been smoking for 50 years and I can't stop. I've tried. I love Jesus, but I can't stop. God healed her that night. In that same meeting, there was a cowboy. I kid you not. He was almost seven feet tall. Had a big old hat on his head. He came up to me like this. I said, how can I help you? I dip. That's what he said. I dip. What? I said, what's that? Well, you know that skull stuff you get and put it in your mouth. But he said, he said, it's bigger than that. He said, I don't only put the dip in my mouth, but I don't spit it out. I swallow it. Swallow it. Uh, how much are you doing that? Four cans a day. I prayed for him and he was delivered. Now, I saw him at a men's retreat up here in the mountains uh, about a year later. And he came up to me and said, do you remember me? I said, how could I forget you? He said, I just want to come and report in. He said, that night you prayed for me. He said, I got delivered. He said, I haven't had another dip since. You know, uh, skulls, it's more addicting than cigarettes. It really is. And he was swallowing this stuff. God, God had to deliver him. Now, if I hadn't been there, if I hadn't uh, let God use me, maybe he would have gone on that night and, and been in trouble. He would have just kept on doing it. What I'm telling you is God is bigger than whatever you're struggling with. He really is. He's bigger than that. Oh, God, how we love you. Amen. Where did I stop? <laughs> Anybody know where I stopped? Twelve, okay. Let's look at eleven. Dis discretion shall preserve you. Understanding shall keep you to deliver you from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaks toward forward things, who leaves, who who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they and they forward in their paths, to deliver thee from the strange woman even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. He's talking about uh, ladies of the night, okay? Who forsaketh the, the guide of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house inclines unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life, that they may walk in the way of good men men and keep the paths of righteousness for the upright shall dwell in the in the land and the perfect shall remain in it but the wicked shall he cut off from the earth and the transgressor shall be rooted out of it you know one of the reasons he wrote that last scripture how many of you know jesus is coming when he gets here uh he is there's two comings. The rapture is when he comes at the beginning of the tribulation and he removes, first of all, the dead in Christ out of the graves. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord and so shall we ever be. That's the rapture. Now, the second one is the second coming. In the rapture, he only comes to the clouds and he stops. 
he takes uh, his children and he goes back to heaven. Now, in the second coming, he comes all the way down to the earth. This is Zechariah chapter 14. He comes down to the earth on a horse, and you're going to be with him on a horse. I don't ride horses, he'll teach you. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. Now, here you got to hear this. The reason he's removing the wicked is because Jesus, on that day, will begin his reign of the earth, called the millennial reign. Now, traditionally, and I'm not going to argue with this with any of you, but traditionally, uh, men have been on the earth 6,000 years. Now, the scientists will tell me I'm an idiot. I know that. But the reason I brought that up is because 6,000 plus a thousand years that he reigns equals seven. Seven is what? That's God's perfect number. Now, when he reigns, it's going to be different than it is now. How many of you know that? There's not going to be any more war. Uh, disease is going to go. Now, there'll be some things that are the same. Uh, there'll be people married, having children. Uh, some of them will fall. Some of them, okay, but it'll be different. Then at the end of that thousand year uh, reign, uh, then we step over into eternity. For you and I, we'll already be in eternity. Amen? I'm excited about that. I don't know about you. Now very quickly, turn over to Proverbs 16, chapter, chapter 16. Uh, yeah. Uh, verse 16. Chapter 16, verse 16. Anybody got that? How much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather than to be, than to be chosen than silver? The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keeps his way preserves his soul. How many of you have ever had an experience with God where you couldn't help yourself but you, you reached up and looked at him, and you, now listen to me, and you said, God, why did you allow that? I mean, you have had that experience. Come on, be honest. God, why did you allow that? Uh, I have the experience that a lot of times God allows what you allow. God's given you absolute power over the devil, but if you don't take that power and you don't put it into use and you don't go to war with him, then what good is it? Yeah, you're in a war. And the devil is an evil adversary and his whole purpose for you is death, the death of your children, your finances, your home, your dogs, everything. You've got to go to war and you've got to mean it. And you'll, if you do that, you'll see in the Spirit those demons running down the street from you just like they did me. The real truth is, the only weapon that Satan has against you is lying. He will lie to you. And the only way that can hurt you is if you believe it. Come on. Don't believe it. Satan, you're a liar. I plead the blood of Christ over myself and my family. You get away from us in Jesus' name. And he will. The demons and Satan 
hate the words, the blood of Jesus. They hate that. They can't stand that because those words are the formula for what defeated them. Jesus was hanging on the cross. How many of you saw Passion of the Christ? It's a good, a good depiction. By the way, do they sell that anywhere? Well, order me one, Carol. <laughs> He's hanging on the cross. He's got Roman soldiers that are laughing at him and they're, they've taken his clothes off and they're gambling for them. They didn't want to tear him up because they, they were seamless. The robe was seamless. They didn't want to tear it up, so they gambled for whoever got it could take it home. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They, they ridiculed him in front of everybody. They laughed at him. They slapped him in his face. I love that movie because how many of you remember the, the little Roman soldier uh, his boss throws a spear at him, and, and or a, yeah. First of all, he got the other Romans to get the clubs and break their legs. So, how many of you know what that did? See, crucifixion, you die from asphyxiation. You you literally choke to death. And what you do, you get so tired of standing there, you start sagging. Your feet are on a block, and and so the only way you can breathe is to push up and then you fall back down and then after a long time you can't do it anymore and you literally choke to death. No, you can't get any air. So they broke the legs of the thief on this side of Jesus and the thief on that side and when they got to Jesus he was about to break his legs and somebody said no I think he's already dead. They went over and he was dead. They weren't going to kill him. He gave his life. And there it is, a picture there up on the wall. My God. And so the soldier throws a spear over to that little soldier and he says, make sure that he's dead. So the soldier goes over and thrusts that spear way up into his body. And when he pulls it out, blood mixed with water begins to spray out of the body of Jesus all over that soldier. And he's standing there and he, he drops that, that uh, spear and he's shaking and he's looking up there at Jesus. I mean, if mean, you know, he had an epiphany that day. His eyes were opened. Where did, where did the crux of Christianity go in the beginning? It went to Rome. Why do you think the Catholic Church is there? That was the beginning of all of it. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Now, here we stand, and I'm closing. We are in the last days. How many of you know that we're in the last days? You might say, well, how do you know that? Jesus said nobody knows when he would come. Not Even Jesus didn't know. He said only the Father knows. But he said there'll be signs that take place. And when you see these signs, you'll know that summer is near. In other words, you'll see the signs of wars and rumors of wars. Killing. You'll see the signs of nature. Volcanoes erupting. 
thousands of people dying in earthquakes and all kinds of things. And when you, when you see these things begin to accelerate, you'll know that it's near even at the door. And I want to suggest to you that we're already there. We're at the door. Now, some of you don't want him to come. You know who really doesn't want him to come? It's your teenage children. You know why? Because they haven't had children yet. They haven't had a family of their own. They haven't been married yet. I I meet them all the time. But remember this. Paul called the coming of Christ the what? The blessed hope. When you're standing out there and he's standing on a cloud up there, I think you're going to start laughing hysterically. He's here! He's here! Let's go! He's here. He's here. The only thing I want to impress on you today This is serious business we're talking about. It's not a game. And he's coming. Now, I'm concerned because we have all these people that are in different religions and faiths, and they don't even know what they're doing. And they're going to miss. They're going to miss it. Now, some of them are innocent. I was thinking one day about the Indian tribes that live in the Amazon in Brazil. Where do they go when they die? I believe they go right straight to heaven. You know why? You're only responsible for what you know. And those Indians there, when they go out on the hillside uh, in the late evening and they watch that sun go down and the sky turn gold, they know somebody made that. They may not know his name is Jesus. They might not know anything about the story of Jesus, but they know there's a God. Children, when they die, where do they go straight to heaven. Why? Because they're innocent. You're only responsible for what you know. But on the other hand, there are people and religions that are taking uh, precious children right out of the grasp of God. They're teaching them lies things that somebody made up. They took our Bible and rearranged it and changed it and wrote another Bible using our Bible and they changed it. For example, in, the, in some of those Bibles, in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, capital G. In their Bibles, it says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was a God, a little G, a little God. You get that? Some people don't understand the Trinity, so they, they reject it. And they tell, they tell you that you're stupid for believing it because you're believing in, in multiple gods. How many of you know you're not? You believe in how many gods? And he manifests himself, what, three different ways? That doesn't mean there's three gods. That means there's one God who manifests himself in three different ways. He is the Father, he is the Son, and he is the... Do you realize right now as you sit in this room that God lives inside of your body? Right now, Pam, God's inside your body. And you're, you are a spirit. And the spirit of the, of the living God has joined himself like this with you. 
and he's made you one with him. Renita. Thank you, Jesus. Close your eyes. Close your eyes a minute. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do. I give you praise. For you are my righteousness. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. There is none like you. There's nobody like you. Oh God, I know myself, and every person in this room, we are yearning to be with you and to see you. I have a great desire to see Jesus and to talk to him. I want to thank him. I want to fall on my face before him and weep just thinking about what he did for me. And I didn't deserve it. I deserved to die. And he gave his life for me so that I could have eternal life. He forgave me. I didn't deserve forgiveness. I deserved death. He took my beating. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Lord, today I pray for Carlsbad. I curse this virus. COVID is just a name. It bowed knee, its knee at the name of Jesus. I'm asking you, Lord, all over the world to kill this virus and remove it from the earth. I'm asking you in the name of Jesus. There's a lot of people that need to know you. And Father, this virus is in the way. It's taken our attention off of the Lord and put it on a disease that we have absolute authority over. Satan, I bind you and we cast COVID out. Everybody take a deep breath and blow it with your mouth. Be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, while you're there with your eyes closed, listen to me carefully. Just there between you and him, under your breath, I want you to pray and I want you to say this, Lord, I need to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. I desire for you to speak to me clearly. My ears are open. My heart is open. Please, Lord, speak to me right now. Now listen. Be very still and listen.
you think you're hearing something from God, raise your hand. Come on. You think you're hearing something from God. Lift them up high. Keep listening. Eric. Eric. God says the enemy has stolen much from you and your family. I'm going to restore it back to your family a hundred times. I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten your family. Those who have suffered and died, I have not forgotten them. They are with me. And the Lord says, Eric, I am pleased with you because you made a commitment and you've kept it. You committed your life to this church, to me and my wife, and you've kept that commitment. And don't think we don't love you. You are a great blessing, even if you wear pink pants. How many of you know he's a nurse? And he's a good one. Turn on the lights for me, please. <laughs> and he's a good one, too. I love all of you. Now, uh, Eva, raise your hand. When is your surgery? The 18th. Would you come up here real quick? No? Yeah? Bring your husband with you. I want to pray for her. I don't think she mind me telling you this. She's going to have a colonoscopy, but uh, she may also have to have surgery. The doctors have told her they suspect there might be a cancer there. I, how many of you say... We don't accept that. We accept a good report. Liz, would you come here, please? Eva, we love you, and we love you, brother. You are a blessing. And just lift your hands this way. Father, we just pray for this sweet lady. She's a wife, a mom. She's just a great person. Everybody, everybody that knows that knows she's a great lady. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I'm praying for a good report. When they go in there and they begin this colonoscopy, we are praying, Lord, they will find nothing. Everything is perfect. Lord, heal her in Jesus' name. Every organ of her body, top to bottom. Lord, David, just give him peace that you've heard this prayer. Lord, touch her in Jesus' name. And everybody said, oh, mighty God. Yes, mighty God. Thank you, Evan. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Pam, come here a minute. Uh, she has an unspoken uh, request. And uh, we'll just leave it at that. And would you annoy her? She has an unspoken request, so would you lift your hands this way? Father, you know exactly what Pam needs today. And Lord, I just ask you to touch her. She's under a lot of stress and pressure. Father, just give her a word. So she knows that you've heard this prayer. Grant her the desires of her heart. She also is a blessing. 
So we ask you to bless her home, her family. And I want to pray for her daughter and grandchildren also, that you will protect them and bless them. Father, just be with her today. And as she goes, help her to feel your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, Wayne, you have a desire to sell something. Leave it at that. In Jesus' name, everybody reach your hands toward him. In Jesus' name, we speak victory. We speak victory. Grant him the desire of his heart and his wife. Speak healing to his wife. Carol, we speak healing to you in Jesus' name. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, as you go today, uh, go and do what, Charles? I can't hear you. Yes, we can do that right now. Uh, Liz, would you annoy her too? So they just operated on that foot. Oh, my goodness. Three middle toes have pins sticking out of them. So, Debbie, we pray for you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we speak life and healing to this foot, the toes, heel, the sole, the ankle, all of it, Father. Help her, Lord, to know that you've heard this prayer and be with Charles and give him peace about it. Father, thank you. Thank you for total healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Hmm? Who? Yeah, Terry, come here. Terry was supposed to have surgery last week, but they canceled, and so you're, you're scheduled for when? 29th. The 29th. You saw him limping there, and he's got, uh, what do they call what you got? That's uh, my feet, mostly it was my leg, back. We're going to have to go in and do something to it. I don't Nerves know. Nerves involved in the spine yes. and uh, bones and so It'll be the 29th. And this, this young guy is 75. Yeah, I know it too. Yeah, he knows it. Terry, we pray for you and we thank you for Jesus. You're a good man and you also are faithful. And God appreciates that about you. Father, right now I ask you to bless him in the mighty name of Jesus and heal him from top to bottom. In your name we pray, amen. As you go today, I want you to fist bump or elbow somebody don't elbow them too hard and uh spend about two or three minutes talking to somebody say hey how you doing show them that you care amen you're dismissed may god bless you all of you uh looking from by facebook may god bless this has been a broadcast of new song christian fellowship thank you for joining us today if you wish to partner with us and support this ministry you can give online at new song carlsbad dot churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.